Another Way to Play, episode 82. Money can't be bad if people like my buddy who are really trying to do really good things with their life need capital in order to move forward their mission. This is Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Ellis Hammond. Ellis is the founder of Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind, as well as a real estate investor in his own right. He started his journey out as a pastor and tells a story of one of the people in his congregation um, who was out trying to help grow the congregation, was struggling to pay for groceries. And that led him on a path of realizing that he needed to find a way to um, create wealth, create cash flow, so that he could continue to fund his ministries. His transition point from that is really what we focus on in this episode from a mindset, but also a tactical, practical knowledge standpoint. There's a lot of value in here, guys, and definitely something you're going to want to listen to, especially because within two years of starting this, Ellis actually closed on a 144-unit apartment complex in Memphis, Tennessee. So he did it relatively quickly, and he did it on a really, really big scale. We also get into a couple of other things other than mindset, specifically at the very end. um, There's one question I asked him about if he is sort of advertising himself as a person of faith, how does that work when he has to, for example, evict someone? We get into a pretty interesting conversation in that moment. So it's definitely something you're going to want to listen to, uh, whether you're faith-based or not, because there's a lot of value in this one. And speaking of value, if you get value out of this or any of the other shows I put out, head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review five stars so that not only I can gain some critical feedback and learn more about you um, and what you're liking and how I can keep improving, but it boosts the algorithm so we can get the show in front of a few more people as well. Uh, So guys, without any further ado, let's bring him on. Here's my interview with Ellis Hammond. Ellis, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you on today. Yeah, what a blessing to be here. Thanks for having me. Dude, well, really excited to dig into what you've got going on now. But before we do that, let's back it up and let's talk about where your journey first started. Well, I guess what I'm doing now is I'm a full-time entrepreneur. We focus mainly in the real estate industry. So we have an investment firm and we have a mastermind for Christian or faith-based real estate investors. And the reason I share that is because kind of got to go back, you know, it, it all makes sense because a pretty big leap and maybe that's encouraging for any of your audience who's kind of thinking about making a leap in their career or making a, mm-hmm. a big transition. I was a pastor for six years 
really kind of was serving with the nonprofit here in San Diego, California, and building essentially communities of faith across college universities. And it was kind of during that season where we learned about real estate. And part of that was because we were looking for better ways to create wealth and make income to support our own family, but also support our ministry. And so, you know, we kind of got hungry to find better ways to find capital or create capital to support the things that we were passionate about serving. While we were serving as a pastor, we started investing in real estate. And uh, I guess you could say the ball kind of got rolling too fast for us to do both and realize that we wanted to be on the capital side of things. You know, I just don't think there are enough folks out there who are really seeing their business or their ability to create wealth as a gift that should be stewarded to impact others. And that really is the purpose of both of our businesses. Wow. That's a very unique take on real estate investing, but entrepreneurship in general. So it really started for you as a way to support some of the things that you were passionate about. When we first connected a month or so ago, we were talking about how in the faith-based community, the church in this case, and I having grown up in that world, I, I can resonate with this. There's sort of a not a disdain for, but like a a mistrust of money often. And there's sort of a a stigma around having a lot of money or wanting a lot of money. And here you are investing in, investing in real estate to get returns for people. So can you talk us through that mindset shift of like how you started and then where you realized an opportunity for you to do your thing um, in the real estate space in that way? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think if anybody is religious or they kind of grew up in church, they, they resonate with your question, right? It makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story, kind of how this happened for me, because it wasn't like instant. It, it really has been a journey and still is a journey. I mean, it's why I have my own podcast show, like that I interview other people, because I am just also still figuring this out and asking questions and, um, you know, I'm curious about how to do this better. So we had done our first real estate deal, I don't know, probably beginning of 2017, we did our first duplex here in San Diego, California. And, uh, you know, it was really fun. We, we did well, you know, we started doing short-term Airbnb and, and realized it was a good thing. Like this was going to be the vehicle that we were going to build well through. But something happened. I was, and I remember this very clearly, I was sitting on the lawn of San Diego State University and we had really grown our ministry to about 15 uh, full-time employees or full-time staff, um, ministry partners. And, you know, we, we had kind of built this ministry and we were bringing people in to grow our organization. And we were 100% fundraised. So we raised every dollar and still do raise every dollar that we need to support our ministry out here. And um, so anytime that we would hire somebody, they had to go out and raise their money as well. And so I remember being on the lawn that one day and one of our staff guys, young guy had, you know, I'd known him for several years now because he was a student and now he's on staff with our ministry and he was raising funds also to really be part of our mission because he believed in our vision of what we were building. And I remember him coming to me and saying, Hey Ellis, uh, I'm really struggling this month because I can't afford to buy groceries. Like I don't have enough money coming in. Uh, I, I'm struggling to raise all the funds that I need to really support myself. And the sad thing was, man, there wasn't a whole lot I could help him with at the time because, you know, we, we didn't really have a lot of capital. I mean, maybe we gave him a little bit of money for groceries, but it wasn't like I had the ability to really change his life, right? Mm-hmm. Or really give him the freedom to be able to focus full time on the mission that we had. And, and that was the turning point for me, man, that I realized 
money can't be that bad if people like my buddy who are really trying to do really good things with their life need capital in order to move forward their mission, right? And so we can talk all day about should we pursue after money or should we go after wealth or whatever. The reality is, man, the world, in my world, the gospel does not go forward without it. And so somebody has to be focused on building capital, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody has to be focused on, on building wealth and then leveraging that wealth for the good of others or nothing in this world happens. And so we can argue about all that we want and then we can decide if we're, you know, if we think we're going to be good stewards of it or not. But at the end of the day, man, somebody has got to go do it. And I feel like, you know, for a long time, I convinced myself that I wasn't a good steward of money. And that was a barrier for me. That was a limiting belief that really kept me from going and building wealth. And so I think if anything, I'm learning more truly that God has made me a good steward of a lot of things and money can be one of those things as well. I love the mentality shift there and how you're sort of seeing like capital, money, certainly time, but like these currencies that we talk about in the entrepreneurship space, they're critical for, you know, profit-driven businesses, but also mission-driven businesses. Yeah. And to have that example of your buddy struggling who was out there preaching what he believed um, and trying to help others with it, struggling to, to make ends meet and get those groceries, it's you know, that's a very real example of like, you know, you can go out and, and support and help people, but you also have to have your financial house in order to some degree. Like that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a bazillionaire to go out and do faith-based or service-based things. I love that distinction. So thanks for breaking that down yeah, for us. Yeah, man. I mean, also if you're not in ministry or most of your listeners are probably in the business world, like man, what we do, like what you still do matters and what you still do has a purpose. Like why not maximize that purpose? Why not maximize that calling or whatever job you have right now? I mean, and if your audience, if there are Christians in your audience, like you have the greatest gift and purpose imaginable. Like we should be maximizing our resources and trying to get more resources so we can maximize them even greater. But even not like, it's just like everybody's probably living or wants to be living for something bigger than themselves. And so I see it also as just like, why would you not be trying to maximize everything you have? And so if you're, you know, if you're just, you're doing that job or you're trying to build your business, nobody's doing it to just kind of be average. I hope not anyways. Right. So mm -hmm, all of mm -hmm. us want to be excellent. All of us want to be masters. All of us want to really maximize what we have. And so, um, yeah, man, I just, I get excited about helping people maximize their life, their income, their wealth, especially those um, who really feel called to, to steward that for something bigger than themselves. Yeah, man. I've definitely got a couple of questions here, but first one is like, I, I think that's a given that, you know, the people who are listening to a podcast, especially a podcast like this are the ones who are trying to, to step up their game and be excellent at something. So totally agree with that. And I'm of the opinion that most people should try and be the best version of themselves. And that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for all of us, but um, find a way to sort of up your game. And I think our world would probably be a better place if a lot more people carried that opinion, but that's, that's just an opinion that I have. So <laughs> take oh, yeah. it or leave it. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. But uh, you know, I think in general, you know, whether you're raised in the church or not, there is a huge misconception about money, how a, how much is a lot and B what it means about you as a person in the media, in society in general. 
And I wonder from you personally, or, or maybe even just some of the other people in your organization, you told the example of, of that guy who was struggling to buy his groceries. But when you first set out on this wealth building quest, like talk to us about some of the adversity you faced and like some of the people who told you maybe you shouldn't, or you should be focused on other things or money won't buy you happiness. Like what were some of those examples? Cause I know that a lot of people when they have crazy ideas go through some of that. And uh, I'm sure you're not an exception to that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I remember when we did our first $10 million deal, um, 144 units and uh, something what we call a syndication. So essentially we're, we're partnering with other investors who essentially just want to place money into real estate and stay passive in the deal while we go out and operate it. I remember talking about that or posting that maybe, and a lot of my community just didn't understand it. Like how can you as a pastor or you as a missionary who's raising funds also be buying $10 million deals, right? Like it was almost like, I can't believe you would do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that was really, that was hard for me because I was like, well, I'm just trying to not have to raise money one day, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm actually trying to be a good steward of my knowledge and my wealth. And so, you know, like that was something we had to overcome. I mean, that was part why we've kind of made that transition because, you know, I I didn't really want to have to uh, (laughs) play referee between uh, both parts of my life. And so, um, I think that was one, but honestly, man, like the biggest barrier for me was, was not really other people's voices. The biggest barrier for me, man, has been the voice between my ears. Like that was the biggest barrier for me. I mean, it was definitely hard and tough to kind of see, you know, your community not really rally around you, but I don't know. I, I guess I knew what we were building. I knew what we were doing is good. So we just, we kept going. The, the biggest barrier for me, man, was my own. And um, I just remember like beginning to read, you know, mindset books, Think and Grow Rich. Um, gosh, there's so many out there, you know, uh, Three Feet from Gold. And there's a uh, another book, The Millionaire Mindset or something. I forget what it was called, mm-hmm. but it was a really out there book. And I remember him saying like in the book, hey, you have to tell yourself you're committed to getting rich. And like he actually kind of walks you through in the book, like you have to say it out loud, like, hey, say out loud, I'm committing to getting wealthy. And I remember reading that being feeling so uncomfortable, like, wow, if people in my faith community actually saw me saying this, right? Like they would really Mm -hmm. think down on me. And I had to just to realize like, if I'm serious about this journey, if I'm committed to building wealth, I can't be ashamed about that. I want people to know I'm committed to getting rich. I'm committed to building wealth um, because I'm going to be a good steward of that. So honestly, man, the biggest thing for me was myself. And I think that's for anybody else. One of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because of that mindset. I think regardless of your faith orientation or, you know, where you grew up or when or whatever, we've all got those beliefs or inner critics that just follow us around all over the place. I am certainly one who is battling that on a daily basis as well. And to really get over that hump where that person is not winning anymore. And, you know, maybe even it's just 51.49% wise and you flip that switch, whether it's self-education or journaling or devotion or something like that, that helps you get to that place. I mean, you, you described some great strategies there, but uh, being able to do it is something that we all struggle with regardless of where we're coming from. Yeah. If I could just give your audience two tips, I'm like, please, 
the biggest, I remember reading this quote and it was so life-changing and I've gotten so aggressive at changing these two things in my life. The quote says something to this. He said, if you want to see the person that you're going to be in five years or the biggest thing that will change who you will be in five years, it really comes down to two things, the books you read and the people you hang out with. And that's how I've changed that mindset, man. Like the books I'm reading and the people that I hang out with. I'm reading books that challenge my thinking and help me think outside the box. And I'm hanging around, I'm investing, I'm spending money to be around people who think bigger, who think differently, who are where I want to be. And then I have, like I said, I have a podcast show that gets me around people who are thinking bigger. And I have my own mastermind now so that I can actually bring and recruit people who are you know, operating at another level and I actually can be at the center of it. And so those are two massive things, man. If you're, if someone's like, yeah, I I want to think differently. I want to think bigger, dude, put down Netflix, pick Mm -hmm. up a book or go get audible, get something in your ear that is going to make you uncomfortable. And I'm sure you can list some great books. Think and grow rich is a great one to start Mm -hmm. with. And then like, start going to conferences or, you know, meetups or whatever it takes just to be around people who are operating at a different level than you are. That's really fantastic advice. And most of what you just said was free or very inexpensive to get started. You do not need to spend 10 grand on a mastermind right out of the gate. And you definitely don't need to go to a bunch of events if, if that's a prohibitor for you you know, from a travel or cost perspective, but just doing something different, just as simple as starting to listen to some podcasts versus Netflix or reading um, versus, you know, going to a movie or whatever that thing is. Like those are just so critical and have been huge in my journey as well as clearly yours. Moving forward now, you talked about in the intro how you uh, bought that that duplex. So that's two units or two houses or two apartments that are on the same property. You guys bought it. You were doing the Airbnb thing and that was sort of your light bulb. How do you go from that to then 140 some odd units in the next, you know, in the next phase? Like most people go like two units. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go buy a four unit. Now I'm going to go buy a 10 and they work their way up, right? Yeah. Like you went in a very different trajectory. So how did you do that? And more importantly, why? Yeah, well, I mean, why is that? I needed something easier. You know, I was like, I need something that scaled faster. And it's funny, man, like the bigger you think, and I'm learning this, like it actually gets easier the bigger you go. And I don't think this just applies mm-hmm. in real estate. I think this is life in general. I think it's the unknown that keeps people from really thinking bigger. But the bigger you go, the easier it gets because you start partnering with other people and you can leverage other people's expertise and you find out what you're really good at and then you can just leverage that. And so when we get into larger apartment complexes, so a hundred units or more, I'm no longer the property management, right? I'm no longer the landlord. I'm no longer the landscaper. Why? Because there's margin in the deal now that I can hire those things. And so um, we actually found another partner who was finding deals and putting these deals together who had the experience because you're buying a business at 144 units, right? You're no longer just buying a piece of property. You're buying a business. You have, you know, several hundred tenants, you have different income streams. So you're buying a business. And so we, we just partnered with someone who was an expert at that business of syndication 
and we leveraged what we were really good at, which funny enough, man, was raising money. We've been doing that for six years inside of our nonprofit. And so we leveraged our skill of fundraising and our network to really come alongside this partner and put a deal together. And uh, that's essentially kind of the business model that we have now. We help other passive investors begin to get started investing passively in larger deals like we're doing. So the scaling part, just to round that out, the scaling part makes a ton of sense, but most people would look at, you know, 140 plus units is like this gigantic mountain to climb, whereas a two or a four or even a 10 unit might be, you know, more bite-sized, if you will. Like, was that a mindset shift for you or was it simply like, hey, we got to get somewhere where we can start making more money faster. And it was just like, there's there's one road and that's to go You big. know, interesting enough, man, like to do a 10 unit deal or a 15 unit deal or 20 unit deal, I actually think for me that was going to be more risky or more work because if I did a 10 unit deal, for example, if that was our next deal, it would have still been just me and my wife inside of this deal. Meaning we would have not had other partners. You know, we would have been operating the whole thing. Any type of problem that would have come up, it had just been on our shoulders. But because we went bigger and we found a partner on a larger deal, now like we can rely on our third party property management company to take care of any, you know, issues on the property, any type of legal things. I can rely on my partner who has over 10 years of experience in this business. And so honestly, man, 144 units was actually the easier route for me. I was still again, a full-time pastor because the only thing, I mean, I did a couple different things, but I was essentially marketing and investor relations. Like I know how to do those things. I didn't need a college degree in real estate in order to go do 144 unit deals. It actually got easier the bigger I went. I mean, that's really what we do today. Like I have a team now that I have a partner who does the underwriting. I have a partner who helps find the deals. I stay on the media and marketing side of things. And together, you know, we're beginning to go after larger assets together. And that's because we're able to partner up and focus on our skill sets. That's awesome that you also realized how to translate what you had done previously into what you're doing now. Personally, like I come from the athletic world, like a lot of us come out of either college or some amateur professional pursuit and are just totally lost as to how to apply what we had learned previously into the next chapter. I would imagine the church is very similar because it's a very different environment than, you know, a typical nine to five kind of work space. Um, yet you identified like, what have I actually been doing? How do I zoom that out? And how do I plop those skills over here so that they're as effective as possible in this next one? And I, I would encourage the audience to start to consider what it is that they've actually been doing on a daily or weekly basis in their current role that they could then take in some capacity over to whatever they're trying to go into in the next chapter. This is where I'm at. And so I'm just going to say this and I hope this applies or it's going to resonate with somebody. I know it will. And I just told my wife this the other day, like I have been underestimating my value my entire life. Mm. And somebody's listening to this right now and you're going to resonate with that because like I could not imagine six months ago that people would be buying some, like I have a high ticket mastermind, right? Like it's thousands of dollars to be a part of what we're building with inside of Kingdom Capitalist. 
to tell me six months ago that somebody would pay me thousands of dollars to be a part of a community, you know, that I have less than two years of experience in, dude, I would have not believed you. But I've built a skill of building communities and learning how to network and bring people together. I never realized I could actually leverage that to help others and to actually make money, right? And so how much potential is still untapped, right? Like how much can God still use that's not being used? How do I untap that? How do I uncover that? What else can I learn today? Because I know there's got to be something else that we can use, you know, to steward for our bigger purpose. And so I'm on fire for helping people realize like you are more valuable than you think. And you have for sure acquired skills or knowledge that you can begin to leverage for bigger things and probably what you're doing right now. So thanks for this show, man, even what you're building here and allowing people the opportunity to hear stuff like this. Cause I think that's massive. That's life changing for people. Yeah, man. I mean, you said someone will resonate with it and that someone is definitely me. I'm sure someone else will get value out of it, but I'll be the first to say that I totally get what you're saying. I'm just today, actually, as of this recording, I launched my 50th podcast episode, which frankly, when I first started this thing, I was worried I wouldn't even get to 20. And now I'm like, for sure getting to 100 and (laughs) go beyond that. And then it's who knows where it goes after that. But it's crazy how you really can underestimate yourself in the beginning or even when you're, you know, when you haven't started, but also when you are starting. And I think it's what you just talked about jarred my memory from David Goggins' book. And he talks about, if you haven't read it, it's a really fantastic read. Actually, the Audible version's better because they, they do kind of a podcast in between chapters. It's really cool. Anyways, one thing he talks about is like, because he would do these, you know, ultra marathons and bad water and all this crazy stuff. And he's like, whenever I would get tired, like as I was going through the race, I always knew that that was my brain trying to protect me physically. And I had another roughly 60% of my capacity to go. And um, generally speaking, you have more in you than you generally would let yourself go to. And his form of that happened to be, you know, ultra marathons in the freaking desert. (laughs) But it's so true is like when you push through that pain and like that moment when you think that you're coming up to the wall or even just the thought of like, what am I running into at the moment that, you know, like, I don't, I can't do this. I can't make that sale. I can't go buy that property. I can't ask for this promotion. It's like, you will generally find when you get right to the other side of that, that wall or push through it or around it or over it, that you've got way more than you originally thought. And all of a sudden the possibilities are endless. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. So right. And I'll just cap that off with, I don't think that that ever ends. I think you keep running into those walls at a certain point. Like I know I hit many of those in my athletic career and through the help of coaches and through the help of, you know, my teammates around me, I was able to realize that no, like this is like an artificial made up thing. Like I have more and I can keep going. Yeah. I mean, I, I interview seven, eight, nine figure folks in the, in the kind of who are faith driven. And, um, you know, the thing that I recognize over and over, those who are really successful are those who realize that the most fun part of this is the journey. Like it's actually a pursuit of mastery and mastery never ends. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're really called to reflect the one true master and we'll never reach his standard, not yet. And um, and so it's just a constant 
journey of like, you know, what, what's the next level. And it's, it's not of like, we're trying to get approval by getting that. No, it's just who we were designed to be. It's living into a better and a greater self. And so uh, those, and I just say that to say like, I recognize that those who are doing the ultra successful, they get that. It, there's like this holy discontentment, you might call it, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they're never fully satisfied and that's okay. It's a longing for getting better. And um, yeah, it's, it's fun, man, to be on that. It really has been. I mean, it definitely is tough if you're ambitious because you're always looking to accomplish or achieve something. And, mm-hmm. you know, you need to learn to take time to celebrate and, 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 and find the small wins. But at the same time, man, like, you know, the best reward is just getting through the journey. Dude, Alice, that's, that's awesome. And, and what you just said there was something I was literally just going to bring up because that ambition can be both an absolute superpower, but can also be your kryptonite, depending on the mindset you carry with it. And I've been guilty of it on both sides. Like, you can be so ambitious that you start to look at things of like, it's not happening fast enough. It's never going to happen. Why try? And you go down this rabbit hole, right? But then on the flip side, it can carry you into this self-development world or carry you to a 144-unit building in Memphis that um, you know, just a year and a half earlier, you would have never even dreamed of. You know, it can definitely work both ways, but what's between your ears and, and the way that you choose to interpret helps influence that in a huge, huge way. Yeah, no, 100%, man. Right on, man. Well, we're getting to the end of the time. I do want to respect your time today. Um, but before we get to the focus five, I want to uh, just ask you kind of where do you see yourself going over the next year and in, into 2020? Like, like, what are you excited about? Where are you guys trying to go? What's the mastermind looking like? Give us some of the details for the next year. We're going to change the real estate industry in so many ways. Uh, we're building the number one mastermind for Christian real estate investors. So guys who are really actively building a business around uh, the investing side of things. Um, and so Keenum Capitalist, you know, will be at about 50 members by the end of this year and really building a community and ecosystem of uh, great operators who are really thinking deeply about the integration of their faith and also their work. And so really excited just to kind of see that grow and the opportunities that come out of a community like that, not just from building wealth and creating capital, but man, when you got guys who are crushing it in their business and then can leverage that business to support missionaries or, you know, organizations and, you know, different communities, man, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. And then we're also building our, our real estate investment firm, um, building our network of, of investing partners who want to get out of the stock market, right, with all that's happening there and, and have a more predictable strategy for creating and building wealth. Um, that's growing as well uh, as we find good deals and good investors to partner with. And so that's what 2020 looks like, man, is really building our team and building our community. That's awesome. And I know I said I wanted to wrap up with that, but I do have another question here that you just spurred me on to specifically around the way that you brand yourself. Um, You know, I I told you I grew up in the church. I went to a small Christian high school. I don't think I told you that part, but we had Bellevue Christian written on the side of our bus. And whenever we would, you know, go to a field trip or go to a, a game and play at someone else's field, there was our bus. That's a Bellevue Christian in big, bold letters. 
Do you find like an added layer of complexity when you advertise your faith very publicly and then you have to do things like evict tenants or raise rents or do the sort of dirty, quote unquote, dirty work of this business? And like, if so, how do you handle that? It's a great question. I would say two things. The investment firm, it's different than Kingdom Capitalist. So, you know, EllisHammond.com and KingdomCapitalist.co are two different companies. So it's not necessarily investments. Anybody can invest with us, Christian or non-Christian, on the investment side of things, right? And Mm -hmm. but with that said, it's a great question. Like, are we at a higher standard because you know we're driven by our faith values? It doesn't matter, man. Like it's it's the same thing with or without the name. I'm building a community that has the Christian label to it because this is my audience and this is who I'm serving. This is who I'm going after on the real estate side of things, even though we're not going after, you know, just Christian investors or whatever. Like, dude, we're, we are still Christians at the end of the day. And the reality is, man, like this is the real world. Like if people don't pay their rent, well then, you know, as a Christian, we're going to look deeper to that and try and help them. But we still live in a capitalistic society. You have to pay your rent in order to live in this property or things don't work well, right? If you don't pay and then that gives right to somebody else not to pay, this is just how it works, right? So mm-hmm. as a business person, I mean, there's that both. It's how do we think deeply about integrating our faith and our work? It's not like everything's black and white. It's just great, man. And we got to help people that we can help. And then we can't help people that we can't help. And it's, um, I mean, that's the way that we see it. We try and really do well with our tenants. I mean, for example, our last tenant, you know, that we had to evict, it was not a good situation and we still gave them an extra month to move out on top of what we were, you know, required by law to give. And just cause we were helping him think for the next chapter of his life and saying, Hey, this is no longer a good fit for us. But instead of giving you the traditional 60 days, we'd like to give you an extra 30 days so you have enough time to think about where you're going to go. You know, we didn't have to do that, but we're going to answer to that one day. And so we do need to be a good steward of that. So it's a great question, man. I think people need to wrestle with that in their own individual rights. But I would say having a community to really bounce those ideas off of um, is probably the best way to do that. You're right. It's a deeper question, whether you're faith-based or not. Um, If you're going to be public with something you believe in other than, you know, I invest in real estate, like it holds you to some level of standard that that you're going to have to wrestle with of like what you believe in, where you draw your line and uh, all that stuff. Um, Alice, man, this has been awesome. Really excited to hear your questions to the Focus 5, which is or your answers rather, which are the same five questions that I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Let's go. First question, what book have you gifted most often? It's called Mindset, Psychology of Success. Awesome. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that be and why? Wow, that's an amazing question. I mean, outside of Jesus, like I would love to ask him, you know, so many questions right now. This is really funny. It's just because this is so different than Jesus is Grant Cardone. Um, (laughs) He like, you know, me and Grant, man, he's, he's an interesting guy. Like, you know, like he's, he's not on my board of advisors. I'll put it that way, but he is the guy who I just like listen to him because he challenges me to think in a bigger way. Um, 
And I would just like to sit down with him and uh, ask him a couple questions about his real estate business and his personal finances and some different things that um, he doesn't quite unveil uh, on his podcast episodes and stuff. But I, I really enjoy his content a lot. Um, you know, he's not a Christian, but by all, I mean, I don't need to just listen to Christians to know what's good and what's bad, but I would really like to sit down with him. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? <laughs> That's really excellent, man. Um, what do I think most people would disagree with me on? Well, I think a lot of the pushback we get right now is this idea of, uh, kingdom capitalism that's the name of our podcast they're kingdom capitalists and uh, how do those two things come together both the kingdom of god and a capitalistic society and creating and building wealth and um i just don't think people you know capitalism has a kind of bad negative connotation to it and and for for good reason in some ways but I always ask those those questions like if you weren't living in a capitalistic society, what other society would you want to be living in, right? Like it is what we've been given. I think it's probably one of the better choices. And so we need to learn how to live like that in light of the kingdom, in light of our faith. And so I think it's a good thing. And I think there's a real beautiful bridge about how we can be capitalists. And that's, that's actually a gift. And so um, that's the whole point of our show is really exploring that topic. And we've gotten a lot of pushback against the name. Like, why did you have to name it that? Well, it's like, it's a little polarizing. That's the whole point. It makes you think, <laughs> you know? And so um, I, I would say we get some pushback from our name sometimes on, on, on that. And mostly from, honestly, man, from people who aren't in necessarily full-time in the business world and don't quite understand um, how this works. Yeah. But uh, regardless, that's probably one. I'm a huge fan of the name personally because I see it and I get it. And knowing you, I totally get it. It's content that intrigues me. So I'm excited to listen to a few more of your episodes. Here's an easier question. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? Uh, Alarm clock goes off at 4.50 a.m. That gives me about 10 minutes to brush my teeth, make a pot of coffee. And at 5 a.m., I jump on a phone call with about eight other entrepreneurs and we go over our goals. Um, We recap from yesterday and we schedule out the current day. Um, and that's really helpful. That's about 40, 45 minutes. And that kind of sets the tone for my day. Spend about 30 minutes of quiet time, typically reading scripture, doing some meditation. And then I'm off to the gym um, for about 45 minutes to an hour and uh, come back, breakfast, shower, and uh, time to rock and roll. Awesome, man. Ellis, this has been really awesome. You've really crushed it today, brought a lot of value. Uh, Where is the number one place that we can connect with you online? I mean, number one place, LinkedIn, definitely connect with me there, Ellis Hammond. But I would say like if you're kind of depending on where you are in your journey, if you're looking to learn more about real estate, ellishammond.com. I actually have a checklist for investors, ellishammond.com forward slash checklist. Um, and if you're interested about Kingdom Capitalists, like we have a podcast show that you can go listen to hours of content of me interviewing amazing people. And our website is kingdomcapitalist.co. That's awesome, man. I'm going to drop all of that down in the show notes, guys. So you won't have to rewind it and listen to it. You can just go down to the show notes, find LinkedIn, ellishammond.com, all that good stuff. Um, Ellis, man, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate the value you brought. And Good luck with the rest of your week and uh, good luck with the rest of your year here. Really excited to see where you go. I love what you're building. Excited for it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you 
resonated with Ellis, you want to learn more about what he's doing, his LinkedIn and his website and his mastermind are all linked down in the show notes so you can find out about him there. And then also while you're down in the show notes, you can connect with me on my Calendly link so we can book a call, take 15 or 20 minutes, get to know each other uh, more on a one-on-one basis. Really enjoying some of those calls so far. So really excited to continue to do that and just get to know you guys, figure out how I can continue to provide value uh, and keep getting better as a podcaster. So thanks in advance for that. Look forward to connecting with you. And without any further ado, this is Hans Struzina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.